This is Speaker for the Living, a podcast where we explore human trafficking, forced labor, and all things related. My name is Seth Dare. I'm here with JJ Genflone. What up, world? Hello, world. And we were going to talk about a news item from a month ago. A month ago. <laughs> but it didn't end up happening for a few different reasons. And uh, anything that happens a month ago, it's it's like... In Trump years, it's just so far. Not even like in, oh, in the past. There's a lot of reasons why I dislike the man, but let's say just in social media years, the minute, honestly, that the minute passes, it's over. And I would like all of you out there to know we recorded what I thought was a very funny and very good podcast on Lindsay Lohan and Kanye West both having human trafficking, quote unquote, slavery, quote unquote, unquote events in the same time. I purposely got drunk for the podcast. It was a good time. I smashed a tall boy just for this purpose while looking at Kanye West clips. And the recording software didn't work. Uh, so today we're doing it again. <laughs> and it will not be as funny. But, hey, this is our commitment to you. Bringing you hot Lindsay Lohan takes a month or so after they happen. But yeah, the news cycle does keep turning on. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, I don't have to tell you it. It's it's a noisy news cycle, whether you're pro-Trump or anti-Trump. A lot going yeah. on. Yeah. So I'll be we won't be talking about him during this podcast. Yeah. Though. I'll be honest with y'all. I've kind of given up. I mean, let's both professionally and, and personally, I've given up. I've kind of given up on life a little bit. I'm just kind of floating around waiting for 2050 when they say that the Earth will finally implode and there'll be no more food left and... We're going to hit the point where we have too many people and not enough resources. I've just, I've accepted it at this point. I'm just going to church and eating a lot of donuts. I, that's been sort of my life plan for the last month and a half. I'm not saying be like me, people out there. I'm just saying it's a, it's a valuable act in this crazy time. Yep. <laughs> Seth's face, you we guys. were We were warned when we- <laughs> Our first day in our human trafficking class. He did. He did. Which warn was us. anti-human trafficking, not yes. not pro. Yes. <clears throat> Coffee Professor to get Distray, people are listening. Professor Destray did tell us we we work in dark places that are really really discouraging, and it can really take a toll. Yeah. And uh, we do. Yeah. Human trafficking is one of them. Yeah. He suggested we go dig wells if we wanted to to sort of see change be done because then like if you work and wash you go into a place that desperately needs clean water and sanitation you help provide clean water and sanitation when you leave there is clean water and sanitation and chances are that clean water and sanitation will stay there and then the community builds on on top of that and keeps working with it human trafficking work is sort of like correct me if i'm wrong here seth just tell you young people out there that are excited and might want to be in this field it's it's a bit like Okay, so you have a can opener, right? And you've you've put it on on the flesh of your head, and you're just cranking your head off, and it hurts. And so you stop and you pour lemon juice in your open wound, and then you keep going. Only that never ends. Like Sisyphus, you are doomed to continue pushing a boulder up a hill. That when you get to the top of the hill, which by the way costs you a hundred grand in student loans and pays you less than thirty thousand dollars a year. To, to get to even access that hill, the rock just rolls down and rolls over you while screaming, F you, dad. And then you got to start the whole thing over again. That's kind of what it feels like. Maybe, though, maybe Lindsay Lohan was trying to do something I, when she was in Moscow. I, but it's hard to know. 
Right. She doesn't have a hundred grand student loan debt. Maybe she's maybe she's living the life we all should. So Seth, what 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 did what did Lilo do? What did our what did our sweet Lilo do to put her on the human trafficking <laughs> radar? We could start by explaining it, but instead we'll start by playing some of the video that was released by her, <laughs> by her on Instagram and her directorial debut. So we'll be listening to it. Here we go. I want to show you a family that I met that's a Syrian refugee family, and they really need help. Shalom. I won't leave until I take you. Now I know who you are. Don't fuck with me. Hey, kids. This is the Arab. This is not Arab. You're ruining Arab culture by doing this. You're t- taking these children. They want to go. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Boys, don't worry. The whole world is seeing this right now. Shalom, hello. Is he your son? From Pakistan. Don't fuck with Pakistan. Give me a All right. So that was the thing that happened. <laughs> Lindsay, no! So she it supposedly was in Moscow, and she finds a homeless family. Allegedly. We, we still don't know really har- hardly anything about this family. So they, they could be homeless. They could be refugees. Mm-hmm. They could be people who are waiting for a bus. Mm-hmm. They they could be people who maybe they're they were waiting in line for the newest iPhone that we just don't know about. That's like the Russian version iPhone, which is like the iBeat. We don't know their lives. They do. I will say though, to her defense, they do they do look like they are people experiencing homelessness. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to like cast a decision on sort of their living situation. They do look. Like, they're definitely lower income. They're sitting on cardboard. They're outside. It does seem quite late. They have sort of like a dirty wet blanket they're trying to keep the kids warm with. But I just, there's a solid, what I'm saying is that there's a solid chance that, like, she went up to a family that was waiting for, like, an Uber and just tried to kidnap their children. Right, which ended with her getting punched in the face, which you can't. Deservedly. can't see on the audio. Deservedly. Um... But it seems like she might have had good intentions. Like uh, Lindsay Lohan does have a history of substance abuse. I don't know what all is going on in her life now. And substance abuse is a very serious thing for a lot of people. But she seemed like in with the video, maybe she wanted to help, but it didn't go as planned. And then she starts accusing them of trafficking children and tried to take 
the children to her hotel. Yeah, and I, I'm going to break that down a little bit further because oh, I have a number of it. issues. So how, how the videos play out is that she posts herself dancing and drinking in a club, which is fine. You're a 32 girl. You are, sorry, not a girl. She's a woman. She's a 32-year-old woman. She's entitled to party the way that she wants, having a grand old time. Next video, she's in a car. She's not driving. Good for her, being responsible. She's just filming herself in a car, doing the millennial thing. And then she sees these people outside and she identifies them immediately as Syrian refugees. How she identified them on site alone, I don't know if she's a Syrian refugee bloodhound, but she sees them. She goes, those are Syrian refugees. I'm going to talk to them. At this point, had she been correct about all those things, I would actually be okay with all of this if she got out of her car and said, excuse me, do you consent to be on film? For one, these people did not consent. They did not consent for their children to be on film. And also, too, is there anything I can do to help you? Are, are you in need of some services? Are you lost? Do you need a translator? Because apparently, like, on top of her weird Euro non-centric accent, accent she, she, she speaks a couple different languages. I'm sure she has connections with people who translate. You know, do you need a translator? Do you need a hotel room for the night? Do, do you need a car to get you in touch with some services? There are a lot of things that if they said, yes, like, this is what we need, she could have offered to them so i i think so long as she asked and then was willing to provide them what they requested not what she thought they needed i have no problem i'm not seeing any white savior behavior in that exact moment except for the identifying them as syrian refugees because they they look uh vaguely middle eastern so apparently that means you must be syrian and also a refugee however the problem is, is that she then kind of goes into trafficker behavior 101 when she approaches the couple because she immediately starts talking to the children, not to the parents, which is very dismissive and also very creepy. Like You don't talk to, and these are, these are like what, I think like the oldest one looks like he's maybe 10. Like you just don't talk to children without their parents' consent like that. And she starts talking about how, do you want to come to my hotel room? to watch movies on a television or a computer, look, if she were a dude, we would be screaming pedophilia claims from the rooftops. It's really weird to ask small children, do you want to come to my hotel room, small child I've never met before, and watch movies with me? No! I love kids. I nanny. I would never invite a child I just met to watch movies with me in my hotel room. I don't want them in my hotel room. They have sticky hands. They wipe boogers on things. But, like, it's weird. It's creepy. And then she keeps being super insistent. Like, you hear on the video her being like, come on, come on, come on. She's she's being sort of loud about it. She's she's talking really quickly. It's actually not even clear if the people she's talking to understand the language that she's speaking or if they just think, oh, my God, this, this ginger banshee demon hopped out of the car and is trying to, like, murder us or steal our souls. She's yelling and we don't know why. So the parents start to, like, gather up the kids and all their stuff to like move along and Lohan seems to take this to be like oh you're like coming with me great and like she's asking the kids like are you excited are you excited to come watch a movie or a film and like the kids aren't answering the parents aren't answering and now they're starting to do that like fast shuffle walk that any girl who's been in a subway car with a dude who just sits a little too close and starts going like hey baby how you doing today has done the like I don't want you to know that I'm running from you because much like in Jurassic Park that might get your attention but I'm running from you so they're, they're like marching down the street and as, as they pass the car, refusing to get in her car is when Lohan turns them and goes, oh my god, you're trafficking children, you're trafficking children. 
like these parents deciding not to put their children in a strange white lady's car means they must be participating in trafficking when in fact she sounds like a trafficker a rich person randomly stopping you saying give me your children we're just gonna go watch movies guys i promise it's legit like no no i seth you back me up here is that this is just no for a number of reasons yeah it's a sketchy situation and most likely those are their children and so having some yeah so she she just she keeps following the family being like you're trafficking children i know what you're doing and at one point too she insults them she says that like they're not behaving and i think i don't understand like this is not the arab way like that the that they're not i don't understand that part but that um that like having the children sleep outside they're not providing for the children, and I guess what she means by that is not providing by the children by allowing Lindsay Lohan to kidnap them for the evening is uh, is going against sort of Muslim value. You don't know if they are, though. And also, um, so when she keeps insisting, like, oh, my God, you're trafficking, I'm going to call the cops, like, you're trafficking, you're trafficking, she, like, grabs one of the kids. She makes a grab for one of the kids, and at that point, the mom just decks her. Uh, and you don't see it, but you do see her camera shake. You hear Lindsay Lohan, like, yell. And then she starts crying and says that the woman um, hit her. And then, like, I'm so scared. And she starts crying. And then, like, the video ends. But the thing that I love about this, that I take away from this, is that people are smart. The average person might be a little smarter than Lindsay Lohan in this situation. Because when she broadcasted this video, she it wasn't that she filmed it and then uploaded it. She was doing, a, a like, a, a live event i don't know if it was like facebook live or snapchat live or instagram live i think maybe those are all integrated it was some sort of live thing mm-hmm. where people could comment while it was happening so people were live responding to it being like what is wrong with you like are you trying to kidnap children why are you accusing this mother of trafficking children i'm glad you got hit like it was those sorts of comments were just rolling in in mass like i didn't i didn't see a single one where someone was like good job Lindsay." You really, you really saved that family. Uh, and that was sort of the end of it. She she since took down the video, but as everyone here knows, the internet is forever. So once it's touched it once, it's it's there forever. And then, like, sort of the next day, like, her, her there were a lot of, like, sort of publicists taken that looked pictures, very cultivated pictures of her in Paris. And there hasn't really been reference to it since, except her saying in, in an Instagram post that she was going to be fighting trafficking with a with a particular organization that she was going to start and fund, which since then there has been nothing publicized about and, and no commentary. And if I literally in this moment go to her Instagram, this is happening live, folks. You wouldn't even believe it. I'm pulling it up. I'm pulling up Lindsay Lohan right now. What do we got? <laughs> Lindsay Lohan official. What do we got? What do we got? Just pictures. So, not a lot going on with her trafficking work, unfortunately. But why, I guess the reason is, is that, like, clearly this is a case that we want to record because it's Lindsay Lohan, human trafficking. It was all over the news for a hot 24-hour news cycle, and then it was gone. But this is important because she actually did, like, everything you're not supposed to do if you suspect human trafficking of occurring. Right. If you're, say, in Moscow or any foreign country or in the United States in the city, but especially in another country, 
and you're a single white female on top of that going up essentially alone (laughs) i don't know who who may have been in the car and stuff but try and trying to deal with a situation she might have believed was was a trafficking situation getting punched or slapped in the face was one of the safest outcomes that could have happened if those were actually traffickers she she'd be dead there's all sorts of bad things that could have happened to her. And it's also, too, uh, people who traffic in, in children, when they themselves are foreigners in a foreign country, and we don't know because we never hear her speak Russian or them speak Russian, uh, they're doing the I'm not going to talk or make eye contact as I shuffle away to safety sort of shebang. Um, they're not just going to be on a street corner just hanging out. Like, these, th- these things are planned. It's It's very systematic. There's... There's a history of sort of criminal behavior behind it where, like, normally you're working for a large organization. It's also that if if those people were being trafficked, them and their children, just their children, maybe just the parents, we don't know, nothing is going to put them in more danger than drawing sort of all this attention to them by street by screaming on a street corner, you've been trafficked, you're trafficking. What you can do, you can offer, you can come up to someone and offer help. You could call the police. You could call your local embassy. You can you can call the human trafficking hotline that is the international human trafficking hotline. You have a lot of options. You're on Facebook Live. Ask a question from inside your car. Hey, does anyone have Kevin Bale's phone number? What should I do? There's there's a lot of options that you have there that she didn't take advantage of, and it's nonsense that she behaved in the way that she did. And is really like white savior dot text behavior. It is, and even if these weren't traffickers, going trying to do what she did put her, put her in danger. Yeah, but also put the kids and the parents in danger. If they were on a street corner that was a safe area that was like well lit, and they are experiencing homelessness, and she forced them to like run off into the night into perhaps an unsafe area to sleep for the evening, like she could have put those people in harm's way. If they missed their bus, if they missed their Uber pickup, like she she could have really harmed these people. And it's crazy that, yeah, that, that she didn't experience even more backlash. And this is, you and I have seen this up a lot with sort of, again, like, sort of, again, the white savior.txt idea, but this idea of typically well-meaning but wealthy privileged individuals going into contexts that they don't understand and assuming that just because they have power and privilege that they can weave around in other contexts, that they can magically save the lives of someone who's experiencing trafficking or just experiencing exploitation or some other form of sort of quote-unquote like rough times and by waving a magic wand that she can fix everything. What was fundamentally, what was giving these kids a place for one evening to watch movies so she could feel better about herself, what was that going to do for them long-term? What sort of long-lasting services was she going to hook them up with? How is this going to assess if they are victims or if they are refugees, how is that going to help them integrate into Russian society? How is that going to tie them into the local community? How is that going to deal with past trauma? Is she going to take them to the doctor's office? What's she doing? Lindsay Lohan, you're jumping to quote from the Big Lebowski. You're out of your element, Donnie. <laughs> you're, you, I admire people who want to help so much, 
but at a certain point you have to put your ego away and realize that people are professionals in this field for a reason and they're professionals because they know they, they've trained and, and had the experience to know what to do i am a human trafficking researcher i am not a human trafficking service provider i work with service providers very closely and i occasionally will make phone calls to help people link up to other service providers but that is as far as i go on the service provision end and there's a reason for it i'm not qualified if you're going to be a service provider, you need a background in social work. You need a background in health services and mental health care and addiction recovery and, and also in criminology and all sorts of different things. I don't have that, so I don't pretend to. It's a bit like a dental hygienist offering to do brain surgery. Vaguely related fields, but fundamentally very different. And it, it to be quite honest, it makes me really angry because it makes people think that they can sort of just like, I'm going to take a plane into a country and just save people on street corners and you can end up doing more harm than good and that is Lindsay lohan womp, womp. if we had ads we would have an ad now but we don't so we'll go right into talking about kanye west Woo-hoo! we should start making fake ads we could and just play that with all this free time and money that we don't have so at the same time the the Lindsay Lohan thing happened. Kanye West was going was going through a moment, if you will. Seth, do you want to break that down for everybody? Right. Well, first of all, this has nothing to do with his trip to the White House. We won't nope. be talking about that. Nope. Nope. Okay. So he said something about the Thirteenth Amendment, but before going there, back in May, he said something else. <laughs> Oh, God. You said on uh, TMZ? Yeah. When you hear about slavery for 400 years, for 400 years, that sounds like a choice. You were there for 400 years, and it's all of y'all? It's like they were, it's like we're mentally imprisoned. Yeah, and then that was reported just by everywhere as Kanye West said 400 years of slavery was a choice. He later tried to expand on it. To make myself clear, of course I know that slaves did not get shackled and put on a boat by free will. My point is for us to have stayed in that position even though the numbers were on our side means that we were mentally enslaved. The reason why I brought up the 400 years point is because we can't be mentally imprisoned for another 400 years. We need free free thought now. Even the statement was an example of free thought. It was just an idea. Once again I'm being attacked for presenting new ideas. You're not being attack for presenting new ideas. Those aren't new ideas, Kanye. I'm playing the smallest violin right now, listeners, just so you know. It's the, it's the teeniest, tiniest violin for his new idea commentary. If it needs to be said again, just because you say something doesn't mean people can't push back. So when talking about somebody being in a ballpark of an idea, like he's in a very large ballpark of being true on a a point, but that doesn't mean he quite has a point or is in enough of a ballpark to get credit. Yeah. And that is slavery is mental. Yes. Like there 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 isn't this physical slavery and mental slavery. It's both. Slavery is both physical and mental. In the case of historical chattel slavery, you had the force of law 
defending slavery. You had the community defending slavery. You had force, physical force and violence defending slavery, as well as all of that creating an environment where people were being psychologically abused all the time, at the very least being minimized and having their wills diminished so that they would comply. So there is a mental slavery component. But just to dismiss it as, oh, well, we were just we were just mentally enslaved. It's a lot more complicated than that. Also, in terms of his commentary about the numbers, that is also incorrect. There were not more enslaved peoples in the U.S. than there were free peoples. More of war because slavery was legal. That's why we have this definition of slavery being fundamentally different from human trafficking now. Slavery was legalized ownership of another individual, of holding a person in bondage. Because slavery was legal, people held in slavery were not considered to be human. They were considered to be property, which meant had they attempted to rise up Despite all of the many things, both psychological and physical, that have been put in place to keep slaves from being able to organize, to keep slaves from being able to gain an education, to keep slaves to be able to form communities outside of sort of plantations where they were very closely watched and constrained. Beyond all of that, which is both physical and psychological coercion, as Seth has pointed out, if we push beyond that, the minute that they tried to in, in, in do any sort of physical uprising, which would have been necessary before being able to, to pursue sort of a legal or human rights-based uprising, they were shot. They were killed. And they were killed in horrific ways. So on top of being tortured daily, malnourished, overworked, suffering sleep deprivation, suffering being torn from the family unit, all purposely to keep people psychologically broken even if someone managed to overcome all of that and was ready to ride into battle they had no access to weaponry slave owners and free white men did have access to guns they had access to military and state power because the state would back up slave owning peoples in slave uprisings the state would send in armed enforcers to maintain slave owner control over enslaved peoples. So if if people did attempt to rise up, they would have been mowed down. The few times that we've seen successful slave uprisings, uh, for the, the only one that uh, on the state level, Haiti, to a lesser extent, Jamaica, and then sort of the, the mass plantation riots and things that happened during the latter half of the Civil War in the South, including a fantastic raid uh, led by Harriet Tubman which no one ever talks about, but she literally, like, they freed over 100 slaves in one night and burned, like, 18 different plantations. Brilliant. Despite all of that, the only time that worked is when they had a military power backing them. Otherwise, if you don't have the weapons, you don't have the control there. You, and that's also, I think, part of the psychological coercion is this idea that you they they have guns and you don't. They have cannons and you don't. They have horses and you don't. They have this unlimited military force of money and supplies and you don't. So what are you going to do? So while I, I understand, in, in a way, Connie may have been pointing to the fact that that psychological, better for the doubt, maybe what he was trying to say was that the psychological coercion that happened during the time of historic transatlantic slavery in the U.S. has in some ways been maintained... And we know this some, some, to be somewhat true because other forms of, of control over 
black and brown bodies has been maintained through Jim Crow laws, through uh, what we cover in our slavery by another name, specific podcast, through segregation, through the continued um, penal system in the U.S. and the over-policing of people of color. So maybe that psychological coercion, what he's trying to say, has, has been maintained since transatlantic slavery in the United States to the point where now it is an ingrained part of the African-American community where and within the white supremacy community where there still is this force of of white bodies controlling black bodies both physically and psychologically and that people need to break free of those barriers maybe that's what he was trying to say but he did a really shitty job saying it and he backed it up with with crappy historic fact well once you start using that type of language then you get into sovereign citizen types who are like yes the state made us all slaves you're getting into people on the right saying the state forces me to be a slave by taxes and culture and all this other stuff where we're all slaves and we're all victims and then you you, it doesn't mean anything but we're not all slaves and we're not all victims and we weren't all slaves slave slave is a particular term for a particular thing in a particular time well and, and there's also if you choose quote choose to yeah. not be a slave well there's there's multiple slaves who did and the pushback was usually violent and intense and sometimes led to death if everybody decided to quote rebel at once what does he think would happen that they'd be like, oh, you have free thought. Free thought. We're going to recognize that and, and yeah. let you do that. No, that's not what would happen. It would be resisted. I mean, when Haiti rebelled, it freaked the South out. Dramatically. Well, and you know, the Haiti rebelled and rebelled successfully. Mm-hmm. Right. Successfully. That you, that you have what essentially was a, a slave colony turn into a free democratic state run by the very people who were previously enslaved terrified not i mean to be fair terrified not only the south terrified a lot of western powers mm-hmm. including those that had in like britain that had repealed slavery but continued to use slaves in their colony systems throughout the caribbean people were as the children say shooketh well and it's things like haiti that led to the south coming up with policies to be like, how can we separate the lower class whites from slaves so that they don't partner together? And what are all the things we can do to make sure that slaves stay in their place and don't rebel? Which meant upping the level of repression. Uh, Equating blackness with badness, with ignorance, with criminality bringing in more and more religious justification for sort of people's hierarchy. If you look at the book uh, Poor White Trash, which is sort of the, the history of this idea of the formation of, of the redneck or sort of the the, the low-income uh, white Southern man telling them that, oh, well, your lot in life isn't that bad because at least on, the, on a racial hierarchy, you sit a little bit higher, even though the state is harming you in similar, not as bad, but similar ways. It just all very so long short of what Seth and I are getting into. It's far more complicated than a lot of times what these celebrities will will try to reduce in a sentence. It it it's very very complicated. Um, and then when he he went on later at, at the same time of the Lilo event to make a comment about the Thirteenth Amendment while so, on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, October first. Mm-hmm. All right. 
We're not going to play you that clip. But uh, looking at his uh, Make America Great Again hat and his name of Yi on Twitter, this represents good in America becoming whole again. We will no longer outsource to other countries. We will build factories here in America and create jobs. We will provide jobs for all who are free from prisons as we abolish the 13th Amendment. Message sent with love. Later, he returned to clarify, but not really clarify. The 13th Amendment is slavery in disguise, meaning it never ended. We are the solution that heals. So, again, this is a moment where he could be right. Insofar as the 13th Amendment, while it does abolish slavery, it says neither slavery nor involuntary servitude will be allowed, quote, except as a punishment for a crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist with the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. So what he may be talking about is what Seth and I have talked about in our prison podcasts quite directly, which is this idea that uh, the the allowance for slavery and voluntary servitude to continue on within prisons after it was abolished during the Civil War has actually been continued into the present day, thus allowing, again, for primarily black men, young black men, to continuously be used by the state for the purposes of free labor, for the purposes of civil control in prison systems, just as they would have been if they're on a plantation. This is a talk within the human trafficking committee uh, community constantly. This is something we deal with a lot because a lot of people do view uh, the prison prison systems in general, but especially the U.S. prison prison system, as as a as a new form of historic slavery that has been um, perpetually taken on where men are transformed into convicts and then convict labor is taken to make money and that money then goes to the state. How is this different from historic slavery? Nah, especially since a lot of the laws f that govern sort of this idea of historically black men, young black men being placed into prison come out of laws that were immediately established after the end of the Civil War to quote-unquote protect the South and, and protect sort of the morals and, and the traditions, if you will, of, of the South. So... He could be referencing this this legal cover for re-enslavement and how we need to get rid of the 13th Amendment in, in a way in terms of we need to rewrite the 13th Amendment so we abolish this prison system. Uh, we abolish this law, this amendment that allowed for the Jim, Jim Crow legal system to, to be present perpetually. If, 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 that, if that's a thing that he was trying to say, that would make sense. However... The way that he, he framed it does not fully engage with that history, that material. It doesn't tell his audience actually what he's referencing. And instead, it makes it seem coupled with sort of the Magda hat and, and some of the other statements President Trump has made about uh, minority populations. It makes it seem like what he's pushing for is sort of a, a return to historical America when America was great. I, no one's ever told me when we're making America great again when we when we cross that Rubicon of not great anymore or when we actually cross the Rubicon at the beginning into great. No one's ever been able to give me that timeline officially. But it makes it seem like he doesn't seem to get actually what it is that he's saying. But to call the 13th Amendment slavery in disguise is just boulder dash. It's crap. Yeah. It's insanity. It has a it has a problem in it, but 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 
we don't you don't want to repeal that thing that freed a substantial portion of the US population. Well, and section 2 of the 13th amendment doesn't get in a focus. That's true. That is section very true. Section 2 is Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation, which means constitutionally Congress can pass new legislation that outlaws newer forms of slavery. And they have. Now, in terms of the specific as a punishment for a crime, the two most notable that happened long after the Civil War were peonage and convict leasing. The peonage angle was people would get arrested and be in debt slavery because they would need to pay fines, which could be arbitrary and could be for things like vagrancy, simply not having a job. Like, oh, do you have a job? No, okay, we're going to arrest you. And which also was a form of social control, because if you know you might get arrested, then you try not to rock the boat. So with peonage, people would be given a fine they couldn't pay, and then they would be leased out by local police, state, to private employers. Oftentimes it were related or had overlapping things. It was very incestuous. And because people weren't owned, it was a lot easier for people to just use people up wear them out, or work them to death, literally. Mm-hmm. Convict leasing took a few different forms. That that was one form, but it's still leasing people to private parties. This did not only happen in the South. It happened throughout the United States in the 1900s, early 1900s. But there are very specific examples in Alabama, Tennessee, and elsewhere where uh, factories and some of the industry that was born, like in Birmingham, Alabama, where it was highly invested with people that were peonage, convict leasing uh, people. Yeah. I mean, and this has continued on. We've, we've, we've done a number of podcasts of sort of like convict labor continuing to be used and sort of its history that we won't go into here for the sake of like time, but like check out our podcasts on that. They're pretty deep. They're pretty good. They're pretty good. And also the book Slavery by Another Name. Yeah. Which is amazing. It does a, it does a great detailing of that. Yeah. Now, as far as the the modern prison system, yeah, our uh, I believe our second podcast was on that. Oh yeah, back at our archive. Oh. But way back then, there's there are multiple types of prison labor. They often try to not have prisoners do something that's going to produce products for the general market, but not always. So we don't want to oversimplify prison labor. There, there are types that we would look at and say, you know, that looks like slavery. There are types where you could say, well, there's low wages, but maybe having people work in the laundry isn't a bad thing. So we don't want to oversimplify it. Yeah. But, you know, prison and other things are what he's talking about. But, yes, the 13th Amendment does have a loophole, but it is not slavery in disguise. Chattel slavery was ended, and though there were still some people who kept doing it after the Civil War – it legally lost the force of power. Yeah. So the mor- the moral of the story, what we're asking y'all to take away from this today, is just this following piece of information. Be careful. A little knowledge is a very dangerous thing. Be careful, especially if, if, if you have privilege and you have a platform. Be careful of what you put out there, particularly about human trafficking. And, and because... Th- these are people's lives. This is this is dangerous stuff. This This is a long history of severe pain and torture this is a continued legacy of severe pain and torture this is millions of people who continue to be living under severe pain and torture don't don't dismiss them 
with a tweet. Like this, this can't be contained in, in one Instagram post. This isn't something you can solve by yelling at some poor people on a street corner from your Uber. This is a big deal. Know what you're talking about before you do it. And when in doubt, refer to a professional. The internet exists. You can find one. And with that, we will say goodbye for this week. We out. Bye. Bye. This has been Speaker for the Living. For extended notes and sources, visit our website at speakerfortheliving.com.